You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits to join us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to those humans who have gone before us, who lived well, who died well, who met the challenges of their time in a way that reinforced their integrity and their impeccability, that found a way to celebrate life and to bring their soul's purpose into manifestation. I call out to those ancestors who loved their children and dreamt of a better world for them. And I call out to those ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives through that lineage of those who have gone before us. I ask them to be with us here today, to stand round us, to hold us well, that we might do what we the living are meant to do in this day. Support us, whisper in our ears when we start to go astray, and help us to feel just a bit more courage to do what we are truly asked to do in the moment. So with the ancestors gathered round us, I encourage everyone to let their energy move from their head to their heart their heart to their belly and from their belly down into the earth moving down through all the layers of the earth all the way to the very center of the earth and let us offer to the earth a pulse from our heart of our great gratitude and love for this day whatever the day holds for each one of us let us give thanks for life for awe and the miracle of life and for all the possibility that exists in every moment in this life So we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet, that we might all be here now at this time together. So we give thanks to the earth. We reach deep down in the very center of the earth and to draw the energy of the earth up into ourselves, into our bodies, into our day and into these proceedings. So we call out to the energy of the earth to bring to us the energy that we can use for grounding for connection, for place, for belonging, for boundaries. We call out to the energy of the earth to bring us all of this wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way, in a way that is part of the great diversity of life. And so we give thanks to the earth for the interconnectedness of things. And we call out to the earth and ask that we could have help in this day to have at least a moment, if not more, A moment of profound awareness of our oneness with all things, that deep web of interconnection and our place within it. So we call out to the earth and draw this energy up into our bellies, into our hearts and up into our heads and out, up through the sky through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call this energy, take a moment to see yourself reflected in that energy and that energy reflected in you. And we call that energy down from above. Drawing into yourself, drawing into our proceedings, drawing into this day, the energy of blessing, 
the energy of protection and generosity and devotion and benevolence. We call these energies deeply into our day just as we call in the energy of protection. And we draw this energy in and around us just as we've drawn the earth up and around us and we call the sky energy down through all the layers of the sky, finally reaching in through the top of the head and from the head to the heart and the heart to the belly. And within the body, we allow the energies of the earth and sky to dance, to come into that exact perfect balance for you today. And hopefully, if you can open into that inner space, You can feel the big love, the great love of the Tao, that which holds these energies together and creates life. So we call out to that possibility within ourselves that we might know ourselves as a child of the big love. And with that energy within us, we invite the spirit of the heart to awaken, to be present, to come alive. And we ask the spirit of the heart to be the crucible that it is, unique in all ways, in its ability to call up the fiery passions of the belly that know our soul's true purpose for why we are here, but mix and merge and churn in passions, not quite yet knowing how to take shape in the world, in the particular time in which we live, with our particular true nature and our particular capacities in this life. And so we call down into the crucible of the heart, the clarity, the inspiration, the innovation of the mind. And let these two energies, the energies again of fire and ice, dance in the heart until they give birth to a third energy, that is the energy of our soul's true purpose. And may you find in your human heart courage to bring that purpose into manifestation in some way in this day. So with the energies of the spirit's called in and gathering around us the ancestors the earth the sky and we call in the spirit of the heart we give thanks for their presence may what needs to be said be said may what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings unfold in a way that is good for all living things so i also give thanks not only to the spirit energies for their support but to the spirits of the humans who are supporting the show, keeping it alive and on the air, especially for those who are not able to support the show financially. It is a gift that we give not only to ourselves, but to others who are not so fortunate. So I give thanks to Olivia and Stephen and Malama, Christy and Olivia, and all of those listeners listeners who have donated to the show in the last week. I give thanks to you uh, for helping um, in this very direct way, which does have meaning. Many people uh, email, how can I support the show in a way that has meaning? I just don't want to donate. Well, if people didn't donate, we couldn't pay our bills. If we couldn't pay our bills, the show wouldn't be available. Um, To produce the show costs time and money, effort, energy, and also to create a website where the shows can be resident and free and available for others in the archive. Someone's got to pay the rent there as well. So we need to move as a people out of a place where we think money has no meaning. Money is just energy, and it's a way that you can share your energy and share your good fortune to allow the things in the world that you believe in to grow and to take shape. I encourage you to remember always that you vote every single day with your dollars. Not once every four years, people, but every single day you vote with your dollars. And let that idea become very meaningful to you. So 
Thanks to those of you who are able and willing to support the show financially. And thanks to all of you who are support the show with your questions, with your um, ideas for shows, and with all of the many ways that you are taking the teachings of the show into your lives and sharing them with others. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, even if it moves you to irritation or frustration, um, you have been moved. (laughs) And if you are moved in the heart, I invite you to be moved into action by that motivation in the heart and to perform that most profound and central act of shamanism to allow the heart to begin to motivate your wise and considered actions in the world. So thank you all. So, oh, sorry. For those of you that don't know, the show has its own website. You can get to it through my website, lastmasscenter.org, but the show website is whyshamanismnow.com, and the support button for the show is in the whyshamanismnow.com site. You can click on it and donate any amount you choose to, large or small, and if you are still uncomfortable uh, paying for things through the internet, you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I would be happy to send you my physical mailing address. For those of you who just want to send an old-fashioned check, that's just fine. Uh, We are live this week and in person. If you have a question about the show topic, you are welcome to call in. The number is 512-772-1938 or Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com site or you can email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org and I will read your question on the air. So today's show um, is on another show on the power of dance. Um, And today we're going to focus on trance dance and ecstatic dance. Um, And I'm a little bit shocked, given how uh, important dance is in my work, that we really have only done one other show about dance, although it does show up in many ways in many shows. So consider this part two of an ongoing Power of Dance series that will begin to flourish here on Why Shamanism Now. Um, I think three, four, maybe five of you have written in and said, do a show on trance dance. So here we go. Um, (laughs) I'm going to do a show somewhat on trance dance. So um, recently on the Facebook, I saw a wonderful something or other, but basically the words were hard times require furious dancing. And it made me laugh and it made me smile and it made me realize, you know, we got to get up people if we want to transform these times. Uh, The show for the next two weeks after this one um, are with McCall, uh, C. Michael Smith of uh, Crow's Nest in Michigan and around the world. And he is talking about 2012 and or we are talking about 2012 and what does it mean and what is it calling out for us to do and how might we actually do that. And so this show in some ways is a preamble to those two shows. Um, This show is about dance and the power of dance and the need for us to dance in challenging times. You know, hard times require furious dancing. And it is the understanding that we will not think our way out of the mess we are in because we thought our way into it. We will dance our way out of it. We will, we will and think our way out of it and be inspired out of it through our relationship with spirit. And we will move out of it from the wisdom of the body and its innate knowing that there are certain things going on right now in the world that are simply toxic. They are death, things of death. Not directly, not intentionally, but they are and we know it. And our bodies, we will learn to listen to our bodies and simply know 
that we must perhaps sacrifice the bounty on our table here in America, having every possible fruit and vegetable of every possible season from every possible continent in the world available in our grocery stores at every single day of the year. We might have to actually start eating seasonally again. We might have to start act eating locally. But if that's what we need to do to get pesticides out of our food, perhaps we will need to do that. And our body knows. So we will not be able to exclusively think our way out of the situation we are in because it is th- we thought our way into it. And we now need to feel. We need to dance. We need to let spirit help us as we also think and innovate our way out of the situation that we are in. And we have all chosen to be here in these times. So today's show is talking about how we all have got to get up, get off our butts to whatever our ability to do that is and move. And we need to learn to move together. We need to move with focus intent and we need to learn how to move together in sacred space if we are going to start to reshape the nightmare that is currently shaping our reality. We can reclaim the dream, but we cannot reclaim the dream sitting down on our computers. We will reclaim the dream getting off our butts and dancing. Now, that's not to leave out those people who are not physically able to get off your butts and dance because I've seen some pretty serious uh, dancing of people that are not able to stand up on their two feet, and that's fine. So don't feel excluded from this show because this is about dance and movement in whatever way you are able. So a couple years ago, we did a show with Marsha Scarborough um, who shared her journey with her teacher, Beautiful Painted Arrow, a North American, Native American tradition, no water, all of this, um, and dancing in a very particular way, in the very particular form of this very traditional dance. Marsha um, found healing. She was able to essentially heal from cancer. I wouldn't say she healed herself from cancer. I would say the spirit of dance healed her from cancer. But nonetheless, the point is she danced her way out of death. So why did that work? So we've talked about this before, and I'm just sort of reviewing here and touching on the value of dance that is has traditional form, which was what our past show was about. So the reason that worked is because Marsha was the sum total, the logical conclusion of her life up until that point in time. She was the logical conclusion of her belief systems. And the logical conclusion of her belief systems was Marsha with cancer. And by surrendering to a traditional form, be it soaring crane qigong or these traditional dances that she surrendered to that were very scripted, what happened when, what rhythm, what movement, by surrendering to these traditional forms of movement, Marsha was able to kill the self. You know, through that surrender, she was able to let go of the self that had cancer. In a, in, in a sense, she killed the person she was in a very uh, precise way. And so the surrender surrendering the ego, surrendering the ideas of who we are, surrendering it all to the monotony of the dance or the precision of the Qigong form. This is the thing that allows us to let the person who is the logical conclusion and also has cancer to die. And so we become nothing. We become no one. And then 
the structure of the form, the traditional form of dance, gives away for the new Marsha, you know, who didn't yet have shape or form, to begin to take shape in the structure of the dance. It's almost like pouring jello into a mold, right? Began to take a healthy new shape in the structure of the dance. And, and in the dance, that new Marsha is literally taking her first steps on the new path of the new story that is shaping her new life with the new Marsha. That is not the old Marsha, is not the old story, and is not being shaped by the old dream because that person died. For that person to die, we must surrender that individuality. We must surrender that ego identity. We must surrender that story. We must give it up. And for that to happen, we need the structure of these traditional forms. We often need the structure of these traditional forms. And that is one of or one side of the power of dance and the power of movement. It's not the only power. It's not to say people haven't also cured terminal problems through the type of dance we're going to talk about today. But this is, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is why the traditional forms work when we're facing some kind of terminal something. Is the structure itself creates the death through the surrender required to do it. And it also gives shape to the new life. which is different and is shaped by the very healing forms of the movement itself. And so I mean this not about Marsha's story. I mean this not as metaphor. I mean it quite literally that, that continuing to do the dance, continuing to do the forms after the old person is dead is what gives the roots, the new story and the new shape and allows the person to take the new steps on the new path that is the new story. And that that is that moment where if we are being creative and free form, we will likely create and free form out of the place that is familiar to us. And that is the value in this part of dance of surrendering to forms. So... Today, I would like to explore the other way of accessing the power of dance. You know, shamanism is filled with this complementary dualism. And so what I want to explore today is the power of dance uh, without a traditional form, where the dancer gets to move however they are motivated to move by whatever they are being motivated by. So these would be, there are, these are, Traditional in the sense of they have history in shamanism, but they're not traditional in the sense I was just using it where the steps and when you do what to what rhythm is scripted for you. So this would be trance dance, ecstatic dance, long dance, power dances, and other forms of dancing with structure to the practice itself, but not to the movement Whereas the, the show with Marsha was really talking about uh, dance and movement where there is very clear structure, not only to the practice, but to the movements within the practice. There is no free dancing, basically. But now before I leave this whole idea, though, of these um, traditional dance forms where the dance itself is also scripted, 
I want to add that there is not only the power of the individual to heal in that, but there is the power of the collective in these traditional dance rituals where the dancing is scripted together as a group to create powerful change in the world by, by moving in unison. So don't think that the only value in these traditional forms is your own personal healing because that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that is one very powerful value in dance and one we've already done a show about. We haven't actually done a show about using that um, in concert, but it has come up on many shows. It is a very traditional aspect of shamanism, which is ritual dance used intentionally to generate the transformational power to change something in current reality. So to change something that's already manifest in current reality. So this could be a desire for healing, but it could be something else entirely. And so um, an example of this type of scripted practice and dance for healing would be um, the sings of the Southwest people in North America, where it's highly scripted, very precise, very specific, but in and of itself, it is the medicine for particular ailments. Another example of that, um, Lenore Norgard has talked about it a couple times on the show. I believe Myron Nishowski, the man who's given us some beautiful, well, a lot of beautiful shamanic work, but in particular, I spoke a lot from his book about cancer that the conjure dance is a dance used where the dance, the focused dance of the people is being used to create something, to conjure something. Um, And so there are other traditional forms like this where the people are united in their practice of movement as a way to manifest the new storyline. Just as Marsha's example her, the dancing gave her the new steps for who, her personal new storyline. We can craft dance rituals where the group together crafts a way towards the new storyline. And so this is very different, though, from, um, for example, if you look at the work of the um, numb people or the sand, the bush people. I'm sorry, this, the sand, and their energy they call num. Um, this is an energy that is generated through movement within them, and it, and it is the healing force that they use in their shamanic work. And it's a, it's a unique practice in shamanism globally, um, but it's not without precedence. Nonetheless, the point is it is through movement that this energy is generated in the procreative center of the practitioner and then expressed in a way that can be used as healing energy in others. I suppose the practitioner could use it within themselves as well. But my point is, here's another opportunity where movement, unscripted movement, is being used as a way to generate the energy that is going to be used in the healing or some other form of transformation. So this is our challenge here today is to talk about this. So dance then, whether it is structured by tradition, and as I said, this means that the steps that you do, you do it this way with this rhythm for this reason. It's very, it's scripted for you. So dance, whether it is this, this structured by tradition or free form, dance gives us access to a kind of power 
a kind of power that we can direct as healing, we can direct to manifest change. But in particular, it's allowing us to move the energy of the dream from the sense of the big dream, not nighttime dreams, but the big dream that is manifesting the story. That we can sit here and think, but it is not anywhere near as powerful in this, in this art, this art of crafting the dream, crafting stories, as getting off our butts and moving. And, you know, I'm kind of laughing at myself here because with my own students, those who commit to four years with me and, and thus put up with me, they're used to moments where I finally just say, people, shut up and dance. And we all laugh because they know that I don't mean it from a place of disrespect. But I'm just reminding us as a group of contemporary people, diverse as we may be, that we are still contemporary. We still ask far too many questions and try to get it all explained before we do it. And that there is so much of shamanism that you simply need to shut up and stop asking questions. You can't know it before it happens. So shut up and dance. And, you know, I did this basically at the conference up in uh, BC in Canada in May. And lots of people got really offended. And I felt bad about that, but they didn't get it. They didn't get where that is coming from, which is this deep understanding. We cannot journey ourselves there. We cannot think ourselves there. We cannot stay in the realm of the mind and get ourselves, A, into true deep shamanic work, or B, where we're all trying to go, which is alive on this planet, not dead on this planet. We're not going to get there. If we keep trying to just think and journey and manifest with our crystals and use the power of the secret for the law of attraction to get ourselves there, it isn't enough. We have to shut up and dance. We have to get up off our butts and move together. And so we need this skill of how to work with the power of dance to begin to shape the new story and as in the conjure dance to conjure the new reality together. And the first thing we need to look for from dance is the personal work. And we'll talk about that a little bit in the next couple of weeks with McCall. Is we, need, we ourselves need to dance ourselves out of our own way. And then once we have done that, or as we are doing that, we can begin to dance together. And I don't mean freeform crazy dance. I mean freeform focused intentional dance to begin to access the dreaming and to reshape the story and to clear the nightmare that is leading us so deeply invested into this unsustainable way of living. So, so if I say shut up and dance, I mean it in a good way. I mean no disrespect by it, but I mean it's time for us to stop trying to think our way there. We need to get up and move. And in that movement, things take their new place inside of ourselves and once they have done that the world is free to take on a new shape because we have changed the inner world it's forced to reflect to us so in my four-year training we use dance in many ways um it's part of the reason i haven't really done a show just about trance dance because just trance dance in and of itself can lead us into one of those realms that I call so shamanism, 
where there comes a point, I was having a conversation with another person just recently about expanded consciousness and the, and, and the ability to enter a particular state of expanded awareness. Well, and, you know, and people, and what are you doing with it? I mean, the story of the shaman as metaphor is spontaneous expanded altered state in the initiatory experience the shaman finds their way through that back into ordinary reality and then uses that altered state experience of the initiation to begin to shape their medicine and how they're going to begin to heal others and so the ability to enter altered states in and of themselves, be it via trance dancing or meditation or whatever, in and of itself, after you, there's the enlightenment experience, and then we would use that enlightenment experience to climb over the consciousness wall into the next level of spiritual maturity, at which point we will be not at the highest level of enlightenment and starting over again. And that at each level of spiritual maturity, what I would call spiritual maturity, there is the path from cluelessness to enlightenment. And that enlightenment at every level of spiritual maturity is true enlightenment. But each level, each, each enlightenment at each level needs to be used to throw yourself over the fence to get to the next level of maturity and begin the process over again. And... And so enlightenment, enlightenment, enlightenment at the same level of spiritual maturity becomes a so what? What are you doing with it? So what? And similarly, this would be my my personal largest complaint about the trance dance, ecstatic dance community that I see is it becomes a big so what? That we're constantly entering this altered state, but for what reason? What larger purpose is this activity taking on you know it's like people we can enter altered states that's not news that that in and of itself is not such a big deal i mean i get it it's a big deal for you to finally do it yourself it was a big deal for me to finally do it myself so learning the ways in which you the person you are can enter altered states is a big deal to overcome that hurdle but once you've overcome that hurdle it is not news anymore people what are you going to do with it now, in the trans dance community, there's a whole lot of people doing great stuff with it. So I'm not dissing the entire thing. I'm just saying there is a tendency, especially for Americans, you know, to get the keys to the Mustang and then just drive around continuously and waste gas and going, woo, look at me, I'm driving the Mustang. So what? And so the value of trance dance is that it is a way to access an altered state. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it? So this is my whole thing, really, around dance and movement in shamanism is, A, it's a huge piece. It's very important. Your shamanism, frankly, is lacking if you're not doing it. Sorry. Okay, I said it. I probably just pissed off half of you, but there you go. Right. If we are not accessing the language of the heart and the body through movement, we are limping in our shamanism on one leg, the mind and the spirit that we access through journeying. So there you go. I said it. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. And I have an entire globe of historical precedents around shamanism behind me on that, people. So let's get with the program. Okay. 
On the other hand, just doing trance, 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 trance is a bit like just wanting to do orgasm, 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 but not really cultivating a relationship with the person that is orgasming with you. You know, so cultivating a relationship with what we're tapping into when we go into our trance dance and beginning to shape something new in our life, in ourself, in our world. Okay. So in my work with my people, we use dance slash movement in many ways. Uh, The first is trance, is embodiment. The very first time we do it, it is to fully embody your helping spirit who is here in your life to support you on the man in the manifestation of your soul's purpose to fully embody that helping spirit and to begin to receive the teachings to find out how to honor that helping spirit and what is necessary for you to develop that into a strong and ongoing working relationship so embodiment or trance dance is used to embody or to connect with other helping spirits Um, with that said though there is an extremely powerful piece of embodiment that doesn't necessarily involve the helping spirits which we use in my practice and I don't refer to it as trance dance but it is a piece that people are tapping into when they are trance dancing and working that process in a good way and that is the embodiment of our own energies so that could be Um, from a perspective of embodying my own energies from a sense of exploring their uh, sense of discovery and expansion and exploring the potential of, for example, my seven chakras and those different energies, dancing into those energies, different um, facets of my being, different aspects of myself, that any energies that are resident within me, in my energy body, in my um, archetypal body, in my mythic body, my stories, in my physical body. You can dance your organs, which is a really interesting thing to do because the organs have this, this um, dynamic in them, um, an out-of-balance resulting in a negative emotion and in-balance resu- resulting in a very desirous emotional state. So dancing organs in the, of themselves, just as you might dance a chakra, to explore for self-discovery, for expanding our awareness of these energies. These are great practices. So this is an aspect of embodying energies, not, not necessarily... So, so you're entering the trance but you're not reaching for energies outside of yourself. You're reaching deeper for energies inside of yourself and allowing those energies to come out in a fuller expression because they motivate the movement. They motivate the sounds. These inner energies that are normally suppressed and don't get to guide you or motivate you become the prime movers, the prime motivators. And we discover what these energies are really about by feeling what it feels like to dance them. So that's another aspect of embodiment of inner energies. So that's the expansive piece. But the other piece we do a lot is really about learning how to get out of your own way and using the trance, the dance trance, to get out of your own way. Now, this is also something accessed in the in the sort of the trademarked trance dance community in different practices. But that would be learning the art of reaching into ourself, not for the potential expansive energies like a chakra or something like that, but reaching in for energies we've trapped and held in our body. An unresolved situation, um, 
trauma, abuse, fears, um, stories, beliefs, stuff, stuff we've stuffed in our body, that we can tap into these energies through dance. And again, just as I was saying before, let them become the prime mover. Let them become the motivation for the movement, for the sound, to express them fully, because most of these energies didn't get expressed at the time, and they need to be expressed fully. So to begin to express them fully, and then... um, Discover through that expression about, discover these energies, come into relationship with these energies, and then through the movement, if we decide it's time to let some or all of these energies go, the energy can find a movement or a sound or both that allows these energies to transform from something stuck in the body into fluid moving energy, moving out through movement and sound and ultimately released back into the universe to go start recycling into the starving realms of the universal energies that are just dying for us to start getting rid of this stuff that we hang on to. Sorry, I got a little bit on a soapbox there. But my point is, in our practices, we learn not only to explore the expansiveness internally, but we learn to explore the limitations and stuck places and sick places internally. We usually begin by looking for the places that don't want to dance. And then we explore those energies through dance. We really encourage them, coerce them, invite them out to dance. And through the dancing, come to understand them. And if it's time to release them, to be able to express and release them. Now, just by the way, since we are on a show about shamanism, if we're not ready to simply release them through movement and sound, then that energy in my practice, that energy is placed into a power object. It's not stuck back in the body. We enter into the shamanic work of placing something into a power object and then beginning to work with that energy in the power object until such time when we are done with that energy, whatever needs to happen with it. So that's another show, but that's my point is another aspect of dance without ritual around it is we access these powerful places dance can take us, but then we just suck all that energy back in. Or we throw it around irresponsibly in the room and someone else who is more porous ends up taking it on. And so one of the things to understand about any of these dance processes is that you are accessing powerful altered states that to be used in a good way need to be held in ritual so that what gets released goes to the right place and it goes in a neutral form, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so to just be, you know, again, a bunch of crazy adolescent kids that all just got keys with the Mustang going, Ooh, look what we can do. Ooh, altered state, altered state. Ooh, I can throw all this energy around. Wow. You know, it's not necessarily a healthy practice if it's not shaped by someone who has some larger sense of doing this in a way that this clearing, for example, can happen so that, you know, this energy gets given to the larger world in a way that is good for the larger world or something like that. But the, the point is we're accessing true altered states through movement. And that process needs to be shaped by someone who knows what the hell they're doing. Anyway, moving right along, I still didn't finish the ways we use it in my training. Um, so the other one would be to express or release energies that we need to. We talked about that a little bit. And then the other thing about dance we use in, um, in the four-year program is to use 
dance as a way to begin to dance into being that which is not yet in form. So we use dance to begin those first steps of manifestation. For example, bringing your vision for your soul's purpose into manifestation or your vision for your community or, you know, some sort of energy that is still in a visionary state to begin to dance it into form by letting the vision itself motivate your dancing so that your dance is the dance of the vision manifest. And that is a way to begin to bring that energy that is elusive and airy into earth and manifestation. So these are very focused movement processes or practices, and they are um, engaged in with very clear intent. And uh, the point, though, of, of that is so that people are able to access the power of the spirit of dance. And to do so in a free-form atmosphere. In other words, an atmosphere that's not completely prescribed by traditional rituals or traditional ways. Um, partly because the kind of mess we've made of our lives wasn't even imagined in traditional times. And so we need dances for that medicine. But also because dance gives us this, this complementary dualism of the power of the structured of the formed dancing and movement. I mean, I am a huge advocate, as you know, of the forms, the yoga, the qigong, the tai chi, the dance rituals. Um, for me, ballet, as, as dysfunctional as so much of that is, was an enormously important teacher in my life. I would not have been able to do anything that I have done shamanically without that experience, not just in dance, but in ballet. Because it taught me about alignment. It taught me about discipline. It taught me about working really hard towards a very, very tiny end. But without that end, there was no, the next steps couldn't open up. It taught me so many things. I'm not even going to, this show isn't about what I learned from ballet. But my point is, I am an enormous advocate for the forms. And I am an enormous advocate for dancing without forms. So, I think that basically there's four kinds of people. There are people whom, when given open space and great music, they will just stand there. And then there are people who, when given open space and great music, they will wiggle a little bit, but they really wish someone would come there so that they could follow now, the third kind of person is the kind of person who, given open space and great music, will simply dance. They can't help themselves. They just begin to dance. And then there is the fourth kind of person. And this is the kind of person, when given open space, they will dance, even without music. Or, given great music, they will dance, even without space. And these are basically the four kinds of people in the world. But all people dance. Children dance spontaneously. Children dance. We look drawn by the freedom, the truth, the abandon that is in that spontaneous child dancing. We look. We are drawn 
by that energy that is out of place, that is stirring the habitual everyday story of our everyday lives and opening up possibilities. We are drawn to that kid dancing and we look. And what happens when we look? They stop. They stop because our gaze, even the most accepting of the adult gaze, holds too much pressure. We see their dance and we wish for our our own lost dancer. And that is too much pressure to place on the spontaneous movement of spirit. We, the adults, the grown-ups, we need to dance with the children without hesitation. We need to get off our butts and move and accept on our own shoulders the burden and the weight of our own lost inner longing for that spontaneous dancer from when we were a kid. We need to get out of our high heels or off our real men don't dance high horse. We need to dance right there in the hotel lobby or waiting in line at the ballpark or even in our own backyard. Put the camera down and dance. Don't teach your kids to perform. Dance with them. Don't film them. Don't photograph them. Be with them and dance. When we dance, we can access the power to reconcile inner conflict. We can dance both sides of the conflict, not just our own inner conflict. We can dance out the conflict of communities. We could, not today, we're too immature, but we could, in my lifetime, if we tried, we could dance out the conflict of nations. When we dance, we access the power to transform the toxicity of stress and built-up energy in our head, in our muscles, in our tension, in our life. When we choose to dance, we can transform those toxic energies that do create illness. We can transform those toxic energies into actual energy to do something with in our life. We wonder where is all that energy we need to live our soul's purpose. It's in those energies that are bound up and waiting to be unwound through the power of dance. Not pharmaceuticals, not all these things your practitioners are telling you to do, not yet another thing that costs you money. Shut up and dance. Dance daily to unwind your stress from work. You've got a sound system somewhere in your life. Everybody does. Hell, most of us have it in our phones, for God's sakes. Strap that sucker on, put your earbuds in, and dance. When we dance, we access the power to reshape the story that is defining our path in the world. There is so much power in movement, in dancing with focus and intention. Okay, granted, you need to learn a few skills and awareness around dancing. But basically, dancing is free. Dancing is your birthright. Dance, to engage with the spirit of dance, is power. So why don't we dance? Why don't we dance with the focus and intention required to enter sacred space 
and truly embody the spirit of dance and make all of these changes happen. Why don't we dance? If so much ability to transform is almost free at our fingertips, I mean, it's not quite free because most of us would like some money, uh, some music, need some money to get some music to accompany our dancing, granted. So it's almost free. But once you've got the music, once you've got music that moves you, it's free. So why don't we dance? We don't dance because we've been told through the lie of separation to fear our bodies and the messages that come from our bodies when we dance. We don't dance but we, because we've been taught to fear our emotional body and we blame our emotional body for addictions and compulsions and obsessions. And yet most of us have never actually heard our emotional body speak directly to us since we were children because we no longer dance. So we also don't dance because we know dance can take us into these altered states. And we're afraid of losing control. We're afraid of stepping out of our story. We are afraid of alternate states of being. And yet it is in, for many of us, it is in that alternate state, that alternate version of you, that your soul's purpose lives or that your health flourishes or that your desires for a different way of life are already happening. And all you need to do is dance yourself there. We fear dancing because it is the language of the body and it is the language of the emotional body. And they are able to communicate directly to the self that makes choices and override the mind in its usual dialogue with the choosing self. And so we don't dance because it threatens the false self. It threatens that you who lived how to fit in, how to not get killed, and how to survive. But it's not the you that is here to thrive and to live your soul's purpose and to be in joy and to celebrate life. And so we don't dance because it threatens that false self. But how about this? Dance because it threatens the false self. Dance because it is your greatest threat to the false self. So why don't people like to dance? Well, they don't like to dance because there was social pressure to know when and how and what to do and no one showed you how to do that or because you really let your inner dancer out at some point in time and you were ridiculed by an older sibling or by your peers. I mean, there's so much weird stuff that goes on around dancing and social dancing and are you cool enough and do you have the right clothes and can you, you know, kick it with the cool kids or whatever, right? So what? By the time you're a grown-up, so what? Dance is the language of your body. Dance is the language of your emotional body. Why in the world would you, a full-grown adult, let a bunch of insecure, self-centered adolescents from your past rob you of your birthright? 
we're talking about dance that has no connection to social rank, privilege, and power, wearing the right clothes, hearing the right music, drugs, music, um, staying up too late, getting out of your mind in a bad way, going home with the wrong person, and trashing yourself. It's not about that. We're talking about dance an altered state that is about cultivating a relationship with your body and your emotional body that allows you to celebrate being human and being powerful, to communicate internally in different ways. It's like that big dance scene in the Matrix at the end before they're going in for the final battle against the machines and the entire community comes together in an enormous cavern And they're banging on these huge metal things and this incredible rhythm and everybody just starts dancing. Nobody's cool. Nobody's got the right clothes. Nobody's selling drugs. You know, nobody's doing any of that. They are all dancing for their lives. Dance. Because it threatens the false self. Dance for your life. So trance dance itself is a great practice. I got no problems with trance dance. There's a huge international organization out there at trancedance.com. And I don't personally have any experience with it, but it looks great. Why not do it? The only, and why not? It sounds wonderful. I would just hold it with the caveats that I hold most things out there on the internet is don't believe everything you read and be careful. Use your shamanic skill set to understand what feels right and what doesn't feel right. Um, you know, for example, they in the trans dance material, they talk about the innovation and the use of the blindfold. Well, the blindfold is not an innovation in shamanism. It might be an innovation in the dance community, but it's not an innovation in shamanism. So you just have to take things with a grain of salt, um, understand that these different dance forms create the possibility to enter into trance states that can bring spiritual awakenings, can bring mental clarity, can bring physical stamina, can bring emotional well-being, but they don't always. And I frankly agree that the modern music, our understanding of the physiology of rhythm or how rhythm affects our physiology, how breathing affects our physiology and how our physiology is affected to get into altered states, all this information is great and we're We understand it more now, but that doesn't make it any more effective than it used to be. Human beings enter trance. Human beings have always figured out how to get human beings to enter trance because entering trance is a good thing used responsibly. Okay, so I also feel that trance dance is a really good complement to a shamanic practice. In and of itself, I don't feel trance dance is a shamanic practice. But it is a great complement to a shamanic trance dance and I believe a vital or an essential piece of a true shamanic practice. Trance dance in its um, format, like the big overarching um, international group that is teaching and training people to guide trance dance in that focus, it's a focus on healing and spiritual evolution. Not a bad thing. Um, The most common challenge that I hear from people who... Um, know about shamanism and go into the different trance dance um, opportunities in their hometown is that there is no structure around the dance. And so people are entering deep altered states through the power of dance, 
Um, but that that fact of the group of people entering these altered states isn't being tended well. It's sort of more like, hi, come on in. Let's go. Let's dance. Everybody dance, breathing, blindfolds, dance, 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 trance, trance, trance. Okay, that was great. Some sort of talking or self-promotion or upcoming events happens and we'll see you all next week. You know, and that's just really bad form. There's no ritual entry, trance experience, exit, you know, re-entry into ordinary reality. So if that's what you're finding in your area, you know, know that that's not being held in a good way. So find another group that allows you to take better care of yourself or use your shamanic skill set. Do your own preparation before you get there, knowing they don't hold the space well. Enter into the trans state with them because they've got the big space and they got the great music and they got the people moving and make sure you're helping spirits. Keep your boundaries clear so you don't pick up all the weird crap everybody else is throwing around. When it's over, take some time before you jump in your car and drive home or before you start chatting with people. You know, just use your shamanic skills to take care of yourself. Journey to your helping spirit and ask, how can I use this one trans dance community opportunity I have in my little town in wherever to trans dance in a good way? And let your helping spirits tell you what you need to do to be able to use that opportunity in a good way. I mean, be creative, people. There's other dance out there, um, ecstatic dance, which is just really a general way to talk about Using the ability for dance to move us into an altered state to make something happen. So there's lots of ecstatic dance out there. And I kind of break it down this way for my students. There's an, um, a form of dance called authentic dance out of the um, movement healing, movement therapy world. And it's really a great opportunity to learn how to tune into the energies in your body. If you're the kind of person that reacts to everybody else's stuff, this would be a great thing for you to learn to do. Because it allows you to tune into the energies in your body to move them, to learn how to clear them so they don't get pushed around by everybody else. So there's other forms of dance like Nia and, oh, I'm forgetting all the other ones, Zumba and these various forms of, of dance, which are great if you're the kind of person who you get open space, lots of music, and you start to wiggle. But you really wish someone would guide it for you. Great opportunities for people that want some guidance, but the freedom to make it very aerobic or not aerobic or sort of do things in your own way. The Five Rhythms by Gabrielle Roth and the many spinoffs from that from her excellent students, um, which allows things to be as hard or soft as you want, as solo or as group as you want, uh, and it, but allows you to move freely. And then finally, there's trance dance, which really focuses on entering trance. And for all of these, the important thing is, is that you use what you understand from shamanism and your relationship with your helping spirits to make sure that these dance experiences are held in a good way. And if the people who are sponsoring them aren't going to do it, do it yourself for yourself. Okay, so that's my pitch. I'd like to close by sharing a quote from Dancing in the Streets, A History of Collective Joy by Barbara Ehrenreich. The urge to transform one's appearance, to dance outdoors, to mock the powerful and embrace perfect strangers is not easy to suppress. The capacity for collective joy is encoded within us almost as deeply as the capacity for erotic love of one human for another. We can live without it, as most of us do, but only at the risk of succumbing to the solitary nightmare of depression. 
Why not reclaim our distinctively human heritage as creatures who generate their own ecstatic pleasures out of music, color, feasting, and dance? There is no point to it. No religious overtones, ideological message, or money to be made. Just the chance, which we need much more on this crowded planet, to acknowledge the miracle of our simultaneous existence with some sort of celebration. So this week, find a great excuse to go dance. I want to give thanks to the spirits, the ancestors for holding us, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the dance. <laughs>